You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Powered by BetUS. 879-BETUS or BetUS.com. Yeah, so this is the big one on Sunday night. Tom Brady comes back to Foxborough. Before we get into all of that, I remind you the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is brought to you by our friends at BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. And don't forget about Legends, another friend of ours, a premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete owned by some of your favorite athletes, including Willie McGinnis. Before we get into the game, Greg, just two or three headlines that have happened over the past few days since the last time we spoke. Uh, the yeah. Seth Wickersham book has, you know, the excerpts have come out. Some of the media has already received this book. Uh, just including yours, up, including me. <laughs> there you go, including you. Uh, your thoughts on not necessarily blow by blow some of these excerpts, yep. but more the way that Belichick and Brady have handled this week as a whole. Uh, well, you know, first, the, the first thing I wanted to say was, um, look, uh, Seth is a friend of mine. I think he is an excellent reporter. I know that there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of people trying to tear him down and disputing this and that and all that. And, and I understand and, and do in these types of books where the, the people involved aren't talking. I mean, you're, you're never going to get an account from Brady and Belichick and Kraft, right. like on the record about everything. It's all you, you're, you're trying to do your best and and you're trying to piece it together and you have to go with sources that, you know, and multiple sources and things like that. I have I have uh, full faith in Seth as a reporter. Um, I really won't entertain people trying to uh, tear him down or attack his character. I think that people need to. Uh, understand if they look back, the look at the big picture and look back at the, the his seminal story about how this might be fracturing. It was all true. It was all true in the end. And so just keep that in mind. And by the way, I've been reading the book and I haven't read a ton of it. I wouldn't say there are any, you know, huge revelations in it. Um, I certainly in the parts that I have seen, um, in general, I think that uh, I haven't seen anything that would anger Camp Brady on this. Uh, again, I haven't read the whole thing. Uh, I think that Belichick comes out pretty well in this. Uh, I think Kraft does not come out well hmm. in this book. Um, so just to give you a little teaser uh, on the book, uh, I thought, I thought, you know, look, I was at the press conference on Wednesday. People probably heard me ask Bill a couple tough questions. Uh, a couple follow-ups because he said that it wasn't true. The Brady Belichick phone call part. I asked him what part wasn't true. He he declined to answer, 
And that's his prerogative. I mean, I have to ask the question. You know, we're all good. Trust me. Uh, there, there was, uh, let's just say there was a back and forth, not, not a back and forth. There was a discussion afterwards uh, that made it clear that we're all good. And he understands that I have a job to do. And I also asked him, I thought I asked him the question that needed to be asked. I didn't expect him to answer it, but I asked him, look, Belichick talked very glowingly about Brady during the press conference on Friday. He talked about how he wouldn't be surprised if he played till 50 yep. and about how great he's playing and about how, you know, he's, uh, Karen Garrigan asked, like, is he tough to defend? And he's like, he's, he's the toughest ever to defend. And like, and I said, Patriots fans are going to hear you talk about Tom this way. And especially come Sunday night, they're going to wonder why the hell is he on the other sideline? Now, look, he, de- he, he declined to answer the question. That's his prerogative. But again, I had to ask the question. Uh, I haven't, I, I don't know. I don't know what Brady has said this week. I know. I thought I did listen to the J- Jim Gray interview, uh, the podcast. Uh, I thought Brady handled that well, like he always does. I thought his sort of uh wrist slapping of his father and with his humor statement was really was really good it was a nice touch yeah a little too late to put the hay back into the barn um but and i do think that tom senior reflects the the true feelings of the brady camp i also think that tom senior is probably a little bit more of a level up than his son in terms of you know he's a dad protecting his son and you know somebody rejected his son he didn't like it he likes how his son is rubbing it in his face. And uh, so I don't think Tom is on the same level as his dad. But I think I think all involved, I will say, after my criticism last week about both sides, um, which still holds true, that they need to knock this crap off because there are a lot of people in the middle, a lot of Patriots fans who are going to be really torn up come Sunday night, and they should respect that. And it's part of the conversation that I have a little bit later with, with a special guest. Um, I think that they've handled this week uh, well so far. I would agree with you. Uh, One thing to be on the lookout for is a Jeff Darlington interview with Brady. I think that's going to be on Sunday on ESPN. So uh, we'll see how that comes out. But I'm not surprised. I did not expect any dirt to be flown at each other this week. They're going to handle it professionally. They know what to do. Uh, Two on the field things quickly. James White officially done for the year. Do you think the Patriots look to acquire a running back, Greg? I do not. Uh, I think they, they, they may down the line. I think they'll take, I think Stevenson, um, you know, gets off ice and uh, I think they go back to, all right, well, this is the way we plan things. Let's go back to it. He's been in the doghouse long enough. I think he, he, he gets back into the mix. I think JJ Taylor. Uh, and also look, we heard Ivan Fears say that, that uh, Stevenson might do some of James White's, duties that'll be interesting to see i would rather see jj taylor uh get a chance i I thought his 17 i thought his 17 yard run they got called back on two holding penalties uh was really nice and i think it's just a taste of what he can do and i think he's even better in the pass game than people really understand at least from, from what we've seen in practice uh so i don't think they're i don't think they're gonna do a move right now maybe down the line so one guy now off the field for the rest of the year with James White. One guy back on the field yesterday was Nikhil yep. Harry. Greg, if he gets healthy, can he help this team? 
I think so, Nick. I, I, I didn't see anything that sort of changed where we were towards the end of training camp and the 53-man roster, which is, you know, my stance from watching him all summer is uh, Nikhil Harry is a good football player, and I think he can play good football for the Patriots, and they just need to figure out the right way to use him. And uh, I, I think that Look, I do I think he's going to be active this week? Probably not. I mean, you know, he he's been ramping up, but he hasn't practiced with the team. And and I was kind of watching him yesterday at practice. And this is just warm ups, and you know, it's just sort of like a different speed. I don't think I don't think he's a hundred percent yet. Right. So I think it's going to be a week or two for him. Uh, but I do think I think he can help the team. I do think I think Nelson Aguilar is. How do I want to term this? I, I would say he's he's fighting it a little bit at this point. He's fighting like he's not. Maybe that's not the right word. He just he's having a hard time finding his place in this offense and and where he fits in everything. And maybe maybe Nikhil taking some of his snaps can help that a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I certainly want to see more of Kendrick Bourne. I want to see more of Jacoby Myers. Uh, if they have to go four wide, Nikhil is better than Gunnar Olszewski, uh, one would think. And so, uh, yeah, I think he can help this team. All right, let's jump into this game now. Sunday night, Bucks Patriots. Let's look at Tampa Bay. And really the question is going to be how good are they, Greg? But let's start with the strengths. When you watch this team on the film, what jumps out at you? It's definitely the vertical passing game with Brady and all these weapons. And I mean, he's got multiple tight ends. He's got multiple receivers. Brady is, uh, you know, I wouldn't say is on top of his game, but it's pretty damn good. Uh, And uh, I think that you factor in their weapons and Brady's knowledge of this defense and the players. And, you know, to me, it's trouble. I think the offensive line is good. I don't think it's great. Uh, I, and I think they kind of got exposed a little bit against the Rams. I, of course, Aaron Donald ex, uh, exposes a lot of people. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I don't love Jensen the center. I don't love Kappa the right guard. I think oh, those are the two. Bad, by the way, get ready for a cheap shot from Jensen. He does it every oh, yeah. single game. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he he definitely does. I'm not. I've never been a big fan of him. I was shocked that they won a Super Bowl with him, but that sort of happens when the Chiefs have no offensive line. Uh, I, I, you know, defensively, they don't. Uh, it's weird. They have a really good defensive line, but they don't rush the passer very well. You know, it's like Todd yeah. Bowles knows that he needs to bring pressure to get uh, to get sacks. I mean, I think they only have three sacks on the year. Uh, but they're really good against the run, Nick. And that's a problem for the Patriots in this game. Um, I, I don't see many good matchups for the Patriots. I mean, I think, you know, and, and we'll sort of talk about how how we would play the Bucs. Their, their linebackers are, are ridiculous. They're so good. They're so fast. Fast. Uh, sideline to sideline. Unbelievable. Yeah, and that, that sort of thwarts the, you know, the Patriots screen game and, you know, how, you know, the Patriots don't have the most athletic offensive line. Uh, their weaknesses are the secondary is a weakness. Sherman's not going to play this week. He yep. got signed. Uh, Dean, it looks like he's trending towards playing. He got hurt against the Rams, but it looks like he's trending to playing. That even if he does, they're still weak in the secondary. Yep. It's just the question of can the Patriots get to the secondary and expose them. And so, uh, and and I think you know their their returner on special teams. I forget his name right now, but 
he's pretty good too. Is it Mickens? Yes. Yeah. So the strengths, as far as the strengths go, you know, the vertical passing game, I will say this, if you want to try to be somewhat optimistic for the Patriots defense on Sunday night, the Patriots have actually done a pretty damn good job against deep passing this year. They're one of the better defenses against plays downfield. So if you want to try to find something that might be able to work for them, maybe they'll have some success against this vertical passing game. And then you wonder what's going on. Uh, Gronk is obviously banged up. I would expect him to play, but if he's not a hundred percent and you can somewhat limit that vertical passing game, you might have a way to somewhat slow down this offense for at least a bit. Uh, the pass rush. I agree with you. They are great against the run. I, I think, you know, on the inside that they're, they're kind of slower, right? Like Vita Vea and uh, Sue, they're not as explosive. I mean, Vea is explosive for his size, but he's, he's not going to explode and, and chase you down. So they are really kind of a fundamental run-stopping team in the middle of the line. And then you've got, you know, JPP and others on the, on the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that'll be interesting. Uh, let me ask you about Mac Jones. This is yep. what people would say his first big start, right? He's been asked about Brady this week. He's been asked about how he's going to approach it. As far as the media stuff goes, this should not be a surprise. I think he's hit a home run. He knows how to answer yep. these questions. He's been schooled very well uh, from Saban to Belichick. But how do you think he responds to this big moment on Sunday, Greg? Yeah, it's a great question, Nick. And and I would say it's the it's the million-dollar question in this matchup in terms of could this game stay close for a long time or is it going to be a blowout? Because we don't really know. Yeah, he played in big games at Alabama. You know, we understand that. And, you know, national championship games. And, you know, he also had a decided talent advantage. He does not in this game. Uh, I went back and I looked at um, some of the films. So his first career, and let's just give you a little ba- background. You know, not only is this <laughs> Mac Jones's first big start in the NFL. I mean, he he faced like three quarterbacks that ha- have never started a playoff game. They were like, you know, one o'clock, four o'clock, like you know, B and C level NFL announcing crews. And all of a sudden, now, all of a sudden, it's Tom Brady, the defending Super Bowl champion, Sunday night football. Like, it's like he didn't exactly get training wheels. Uh, It would have been nice to have a a Thursday night or a Monday night game before this. This is like, you know, throwing the the baby into the fire, so to speak. And um, so, I mean, it's just unbelievable how he's gone from one level to another so quickly. I went back and I watched his first career start at Alabama uh, was a big game. It was the Iron Bowl against Auburn. We all know how big those are. It was 2019. Uh, Tua had gotten hurt. Mac had to make the start. It was uh, around Thanksgiving. Uh, Mac played well overall. He did throw two pick sixes. He th- There were times where he was really flustered by the pass rush. Again, this is a long time ago in his career. I'm just telling you what what I saw. Uh, but I will say he kept bringing the team back. He threw two pick sixes, but he had he had two drives, I think, in the fourth quarter to take the lead. They were trailing late. He brought them back, uh, including he had a fourth and seven play where he scrambled for 18 yards, got him in position for a game-tying 30-yard field goal. The idiot kicker clanks it off the uprights. They lose. Um but I got to say, I mean, he made well, his first pick six was he just floated a ball uh, to Jerry Judy 
that just it completely missed him. They picked him off. The second one, he got flustered. It was in the red zone. It was near the goal line. Rush was on him. He threw it behind the running back. It basically almost hit him in the back, went to the defender. They returned it 100 yards for a touchdown. And this is, you know, a pretty partisan crowd. Uh, it was all going against him. He still battled back. That's the thing that really impressed me, Nick. He just kept coming back. A lot of guys would have went into a shell. That's a good indicator for me for Sunday night. But, look, they're going to have to play really, really well on Sunday night to compete. Yeah, I'm confident that he'll be okay. He's used to the pomp and circumstance. Uh, you know, I'm not telling you that he's going to play spectacular. I think it depends on how the other guys play. Like, uh, I think if the offensive line somewhat settles and guys catch the football, I think Mac will be okay. I think he knows how to handle these things. I think he has composure. I think he has poise. And even if he's rattled a little bit at the beginning, I think he'll settle down. I also believe that people are overlooking the Brady part of this. You know, Brady's a very emotional guy. Yep. And early in this game, I would not be surprised if he comes out a little bit rattled, if some of his throws are high and inaccurate. Now, maybe that won't happen, but he's going to be jacked up. You know he and Belichick absolutely want to win this game. So I would not be surprised if, if Brady's emotions get the best of him through the first drive or two. We'll see if that happens. If you're the Patriots, Greg, how do you play this game? I'm playing them with uh, like I would any other high-powered offense, you know, say like the Chiefs. I am uh, get the F back yep. on defense. I'm not, I'm not giving up any big plays in this game. Uh, Tom's going to want to show out. Uh, all those guys, Antonio Brown, Godwin, you know, Mike Evans, they all want to make big plays. I'm not letting them make any big plays. I'm just not. I don't I don't care, you know, how I have to do it, but it's just I'm getting everybody back. I don't care if I have to play. I I would probably Tom I'm I'm trying to throw Tom a few curveballs. And so I would probably come out and he's expecting a lot of man to man. I would probably play a lot of cover three, a lot of quarters coverage. Um, you don't want to get into a man-to-man game with your, with your linebackers. Um, and, and so, you know, I think a lot of zone, I think I'm, I'm playing, I'm inviting them to run the ball. So I'm going with a very light front. I'm probably going with three linemen, uh, two linebackers and you know, how many is that? So I'm going dime in the secondary. I'm going with six defensive backs. I'll play small. They want to run the ball all game. I'm letting them run the ball game, and hopefully uh, we can make a few plays and, and and cause a few fumbles. That's the way I'm playing the uh, uh, the Bucks offense. On, D, uh, on For the Patriots offense, you know, I, all things being equal, Nick, I would say shotgun, spread yep. them out, yep. short throws. Yep. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. But maybe, maybe, I mean, I just think – I think that's what I you got to th- do against this defense. Yeah, I, th- I, I know I, that it's, it's putting a lot on Mac, but you're not going to be able to run the football. I, I think you've got to go almost, you know, treat this as a shootout offensively and say, hey, we're going to spread them out, shotgun, no huddle at times, try to get those big guys up front a little bit tired, Vita Vea and Sue. We know if Sue starts to get a little bit gassed, he will check out from time to time. I, yeah. I think you've got to kind of speed up this game for this defense. And listen, there's risk reward, right? Like that's the only way I think you have a chance to kind of stay with this team. You're not going to run four five, six yards at a clip. And of course that means Mac Jones might be a little vulnerable and he might make a couple of mistakes, 
but that's what I think you've got to do. You've got to go into this game thinking shotgun, quick passing, you know, no huddle at times, run two minute drills every once in a while to try to get these guys gassed out up front and attack the secondary. You mentioned it. I mean, you know, Davis has been banged up from time to time. Dean is banged up with a knee. Murphy bunting is out with the injury from week one. So, you know, Whitehead has been banged up as well at safety. Their secondary is feeling it, which is why they went out and got Sherman this week. Attack the weakness and, and hope that Mac doesn't lose his ass. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think you got to trust Mac to just like even if it's is shotgun empty or five wide or with a running back, whatever, it doesn't mean you have to throw deep. You just right. you know, your passing game can be your running game. And just dink and dunk all over the place, play ball control with the pass game. And I think I think Mac can do that against this secondary. And so I'm not I'm not overly worried about him getting exposed or anything. All right, we got a surprise guest coming up in a minute, but first, Greg, tell the people about BetUS. Yeah, listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS. Why, you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now, check out the offers, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS, and I do, and I'm checking out that Bucks favored by seven and a half line, and so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Enter BSJ when you sign up at, BS, uh, at BetUS.com for a special bonus. BetUS.com, where the game begins. BSJ, again, is the promo code, 200% in bonuses. Greg had a chance to sit down with Aaron Nagler, have a conversation about you know how it feels to watch the quarterback of your youth play against your team because, of course, that's going to be happening to a lot of Patriots fans this Sunday night. Here it is, Greg Bedard with Aaron Nagler. Uh, I am pleased to to bring in a guest, uh, one that I have known for years, a friend of years, a friend of tears, uh, Aaron <laughs> Nagler, who is uh, uh, one of the founders and uh, major talents over at CheeseheadTV.com. He's, he did a stint in uh, newspapers, which he immediately regretted and went back yeah. to his own site. Sounds familiar <laughs> um, since I sort of did the same thing. But uh, Aaron, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. It's been, it's been a while. I know, uh, you know, the pandemic happens and we don't see our friends, especially combine time, as it were, is when we usually would see each other face to face. But it's good to see you again. Yeah. So the reason I brought you on, Aaron, is, uh, look, I I've been telling people, I said, I've gone through this before, you know, far <laughs> coming back into Lambeau. Um, yeah. You know, everybody's building it up here. I understand that. And basically, I just wanted you to give your perspective on watching the quarterback of your youth, uh, who basically brought the brought the franchise out of its depths to Absolutely. new heights, a new stadium, um, you know, with shopping and all that. Like, I mean, he, it's very similar. I mean, now it's a little bit different because Favre. You know, if he came in as a jet, it would be different. He he decided right. out of revenge against the Packers to orchestrate 
going to the Vikings, the hated, hated rival rival oh, of the uh Don't get me Packers. started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but exactly. just in general, I just – that first game, Favre coming back into Lambeau Field on the opposite sideline, I just – I want you to sort of explain to people what it was like for you and what they might be able to expect on Sunday night. Well, it was crazy. That first year in particular, both games, uh, obviously because they played the Vikings twice, was such a surreal kind of experience um, seeing him in, you know, we had gotten used to him in the Jets colors for the one year, but then you see him in the Vikings outfit and you're just like, what is going on? Um, I distinctly remember being surprised at how loud and often he was booed in Lambeau. And I don't expect Tom Brady gets that kind of treatment on Sunday night. But, uh, you know, obviously the Vikings part of it plays into that, but it was emotional in a way I was not prepared for, probably. You know, I remember I wrote a piece, uh, the New York Times had just started their blog at the time, Mm -hmm. and I wrote a piece for the blog about, um, you know, Favre will always be a Packer, but right now he's on the other side, and it's like your big brother, right? It's a guy you love, you had a lot of connection to, obviously is playing for somebody else now. You want to beat him for those, you know, minutes that he's on the grass facing off against your team. You're hoping that one of your guys, one of your outside linebackers or a safety blitz gets him right. And just knocks him in the dirt. That's what you're hoping for. But God, man, it was so emotional to see him playing and playing well that first year, especially in Minnesota. Remember that mm-hmm. that season was basically his best statistical season he'd ever had in the NFL. Very, very much thumbing his nose at the Packers and, I just remember feeling so conflicted about this guy. Like you say, he was the quarterback that really kind of brought the Packers out of the depths of hell, uh, the mm-hmm. NFL version of hell anyway, um, and really put them on the map, put them on his back, dragged him to a Super Bowl, and formed my fandom in a big, big way. And to see him have the success in another uniform, let alone a hated rival, yeah, it was. it, it brought up a lot of emotions that I didn't expect. And I, I'm sure... Patriots fans right now are sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, he's playing for the ball. He won a Super Bowl, whatever. But the guy wanted out. He wanted out from Mm -hmm. your favorite team. And I think that's going to be the thing that's going to be weird for Patriots fans on Sunday night, watching him in Foxborough, in the place that he helped build. Um, That's going to be a surreal experience, I would suspect. Yeah, I I distinctly remember, Aaron. um, So, you know, Favre's final season was my first season on the beat. Um, I was there, you know, I, I went and I traveled. I saw his first game with the Jets at the Dolphins. Yep. And I remember him coming back and I, and so I covered his next two years. So my final, my final game on the Packers beat was Favre's final game at Lambeau field. And then I was at, that's right. Uh, at yep. Gillette stadium the next week to watch Favre get hurt, uh, <laughs> basically right. end his career. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget it. And he's, he's getting carted off of the, the neck yep. and the, the fans are jeering him. That was a. That was a rough ending for a glorious career. It was. But the th- the thing that I distinctly remember, and I, I remember, and I almost felt it today. So I was at the stadium today for press conferences and things like that and uh, to get boogers lobbed at me by Belichick uh, asking him <laughs> questions, which he deflected, which is always fun. Um, oh, yeah. Well, you got that book out, don't you, that you got to talk about? I mean, you guys yeah, all, all the closets, actually- all the ghosts are coming out of the closet. <laughs> Exactly. Which the book just arrived today, like about an hour ago. And I already started with the highlighter and yeah. So, uh, 
I, the thing I distinctly remember from 2009 when he came in is I remember, first of all, the air around the stadium was completely different than any other big game I've ever been to. It was it was completely different. And I remember like, look, I I remember the, the thing that that touched me the most or really jolted me was seeing Favre run out in a Vikings uniform on the Lambeau field, just like in pregame for him to do that out of that little tunnel out of the end zone. Right. I was just like, Holy cow. And it stirred up things inside me. I think mostly because, and you know, this, I had a strong relationship with Packers fans through, you know, the Packers blog that we did at the JS and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I left a lot of the football stuff to the more experienced people on the beat and, and, but I just, I I covered him from one year. I didn't have any relationship with Favre. I didn't really care either way. But like seeing him come out in that uniform, I just felt I felt for you guys as fans. Like, what must this be like for you guys to see this? Like, and and, and I today walking around the stadium at Gillette, I started to feel a little bit more of the a little bit of the big game atmosphere, the same sort of things. Mm. It's starting to stir up the same sort of things with me, and I think. I think fans who are especially are going to be there on Sunday night, I don't think, and I said this on radio yesterday, I don't think they're prepared for how emotional it's going to be. But, I mean, it really it was sort of for the pregame, maybe the first series, seeing him throw a couple times, then the rest of the game he's another player, and then after the game you're back to – but I, I, I don't I know do if you think, experienced yeah. that. but Yeah, there's that aspect of once you get settled in a little bit, you know, it's a football game, right? And everyone's there to enjoy a enjoy the game, b you know, see who wins, etc. So you do kind of settle into the the rhythm of the game at some point. But to your point, what was so bizarre about being there? And I remember going back and watching the television copy um, after I got home and thinking how so little of this got captured um, in the building. I'll never forget what you're talking about as far as his first appearance running out of the tunnel. And the camaraderie he had with his teammates is what kind of blew my mind. It was like, mm-hmm. of course it happens. Of course. Yes, of course. You go to a new team. Yes, you ingratiate yourself with your teammates. And we've seen plenty of evidence of that with Tom down in Tampa. Hell, just today with the news about bringing in Richard Sherman. You know, he's like reaching mm-hmm. out and getting guys to come play with him. And he's, you know, formed his little unit there. Right. But as a Patriots fan, it's just going to be bizarre to sit there and watch him on the opposing sideline, having those moments with guys who aren't on your team. It's just, mm-hmm. I, it's hard to describe, but I'll never forget far of having those kind of like uh, great, you know, fun times with Jared Allen of all people. Like, wait, what? <laughs> it is just, it, it, it was so surreal. And it was so kind of such a mind bender of a moment. Uh, and there were so many of them just, like slapping guys on the ass or giving a guy a high five or running down and celebrating a touchdown in Lambeau against the Packers. It was just absolutely like kind of an outer body experience in that regard. I, I sent you the, uh, the Adele promo for Sunday night football. What'd you think of it? <laughs> so good. bring back any memories. So good. I mean, it, it captures the feeling mm-hmm. that's for damn sure. It's, uh, a pretty great encapsulation of, uh, this idea of getting out and then, kind of welcoming some, well, not welcoming, but getting a hello from someone, mm-hmm. you know, that you, that you knew intimately. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, I think that pretty much nailed it. Hit it on the head emotionally. No question about it. Let me ask you this. So uh, 
I think one of the first things, and I actually asked Bill Belichick this at his press conference today. Um, I asked him, I said, you know, you're talking about, you know, that Tom could play until he's 50 and about how great he's playing. I said, there's going to be a lot of Patriots fans who are asking themselves, especially on Sunday night, why isn't Tom still doing that for us? And of course he deflected the question, but I'm sure during that game, you had that, you were probably asking that question. And if I went back on Cheesehead TV with you know, your blog or something like that, it's probably like uh, 50 times someplace. I will say, like, I will say, we were very, we were always very, Corey and I, like we had some other writers who were very much against the sentiment, but we were very much in the camp of it was time to move on. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a team, you're, you're, you're a Packers I'm a team fan. guy. I'm a like, Packers yeah, guy. You are. I think the difference, the difference here is that Brett had waffled so much, right? Mm-hmm. Publicly. Well, Tom, whatever was going on behind the scenes, maybe that will come out in time. This book today, I think things will maybe a narrative will form, but far very publicly waffled about retirement summer after summer. So the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers and we maybe not were ready as a fan base because there were certainly the bring back Brett.coms of the world. Yep. And they they certain sections of the fan base didn't want it. But we are cheese at TV. We were like, OK. They got the, the they prepared. They got the new guy for this very yep. reason. With the Patriots, it's like you thought Garoppolo was going to be that guy. They mm-hmm. traded him away. They won a couple more Super Bowls, but after that, there's clearly no succession plan, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a very valid question for Patriots fans to ask, especially when they watch him go lead a team to the Super Bowl and now presumably come in on Sunday night and probably play pretty damn well at a pretty damn high level. I would not begrudge a single Patriots fan for sitting there thinking. Wait, why? Why is he in another uniform? What's? Mm-hmm. Why did that happen? Makes perfect well, sense. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure you had, you know, even though you were team over over Brett, I'm sure right. you in that initial game, you're just like, wait, what? Like, why is this happening? Why did this happen? Well, it happen? just sucked. That when he was did you so stop? I, I just wonder. Right? I just wonder <laughs> just... when it when you stopped asking those questions. Like for Patriots fans, right? I mean, you got the Super Bowl title in 2010 with mm-hmm. Rodgers, so that was yep. probably it, but. I'm sure there was some, you know, look, I covered that team. Well, like, let's see, 08, they were terrible. They were 6-10 and 10. through six halfway of the next year. You know, that Tampa, that loss in Tampa, everybody everybody wanted to fire everybody. Big, yep, that was a big, big moment. Big <laughs> moment then, in Rodgers' career, no doubt. And then it it all turned on that. They made they went on a run, made the mm-hmm. playoffs the end that year. Then it rolls into the Super Bowl. But wh- how long does it take to sort of, uh, for it to be normal again that, you know, that guy's not your quarterback anymore. It's hard when he's still playing, right? I mean, that was the thing. The fact that Favre was still playing at a very high level, that was tough. I mean, we still were beating off Brett Truthers as recently as, I'm not even going to lie, like three, four years ago. <laughs> and that was well after Favre was done. You know, it's like it, it, there are people that just can't let it go, and I understand that. For me personally, that first year with Aaron starting, yeah, it was rough, but you saw the talent. That was the oh, thing yeah. is like, you know, as long as you've got hope for the future, that's what the NFL excels at. Right. That's why the draft mm-hmm. is so popular selling hope. And I think the Packers did a great job of positioning themselves that year in particular, where Aaron had sat for three years. It was very clear they had the talent at quarterback that they needed. It was just a question of getting the team around him, getting him to mature and develop with the Patriots. Man, I don't know. That's that's a tough one because yep. you look at I mean, I know they've got a a very talented young quarterback now, but how long is that going to take to round him into shape? Mm-hmm. And is he the guy you don't even know yet, you know? So that, that'll, that'll be a process. I would say it's going to take a number of years. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, obviously 
every fan is different, but I would guess it, yeah, especially as long as Tom is playing and playing at the level yeah. he's playing at, that it's going to haunt you for a while, no doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron, uh, thanks for checking in. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's good talking to you again. I, I miss talking to you and Corey over there at uh, Cheesehead TV, which you know I've always uh, respected all the way around. And, um, you know, I always want to use your uh, your catchphrase, a lot of ball game left. A lot of ball game you know, left. I keep, I keep saying a lot of season <laughs> left, you know, uh, that sort of thing. But, well, you um, have to, right? Oh, but I, uh, I will say, before I leave, I want to say, like, and props to you, shout out to you. When you were on the beat, I'll never forget the year they won the Super Bowl, when they had those pretty brutal back-to-back losses, Rodgers goes down at halftime of that Detroit game where they do, literally don't score in the first half with Aaron. And then he goes down with the concussion, blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget that next morning, the whole internet uh, in regards to the Packers wanted Mike McCarthy fired and burned the place down, blah, blah, blah. And you wrote on the JS site, you were like, I know it's frustrating. you got to let the season play out. And lo and behold, they went, you know, made the playoffs as a wild card and won the Super Bowl. So I'll never forget that because it really did. Because I remember thinking like, oh, God, that was horrible. Like, and I was always one of those fans who was like, all right, it's not as bad as it looks, but man, it looked bad, you know. And I'll never forget reading that that morning. And you were like, it's just straight up point blank. Like, I know it's tough and I know it hurts and I know it looked awful. You got to let it play out. And you were right. So I always respect that. I always appreciated it. I appreciate that. And now there's an extra game, so we don't know how that's going to happen. There's so everything. much longer to go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> thanks, buddy. All the best to you and the girls and and uh, and also, you know, Corey and Cheesehead TV. I'm always checking Absolutely. in on what you guys are doing. So Absolutely. Uh, thanks a lot, man. Hey, have a good one. You too. Great to see you, buddy. All right. A great conversation between Greg and Aaron. Aaron really you know, making sure that everybody is ready for those emotions they're going to feel on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Brady, Belichick, it's going to be very weird with those guys across the field from each other. Uh, you know, I would bet that Belichick would have loved Willie McGinnis to help him out defensively against Tom Brady <laughs> and this Bucks offense. Of course, Willie's doing other things. He's on the NFL Network doing a great job with those guys. And he's also part of this Legends Apparel. Yes, premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete. Greg, tell the people, the fine people listening to this podcast, all about legends. Pats fans, when I say the name Willie McGinnis, what word comes to mind? Defense, champion, what about legend? Well, add to that list entrepreneur, because number 55 is one of several athletes who are investors and owners in the athletic apparel brand legends. That's right. Willie, along with guys like Steve Nash, Baker Mayfield, Matt Barnes, former Celtic Marcus Morris, and even entertainment icon Quavo, are just a few of the names building legends into the hottest apparel brand in the market. Visit legends.com today to shop the trends in athletic apparel, the latest trends in athletic apparel from shorts, tees, hoodies, more. Save 20% when you use our Pats code PATS20, P-A-T-S-20. That's legends.com, promo code PATS20. Offer ends October 10th. You got to hurry. This stuff is premium athletic apparel. I, I'm Nick, I'm excited. I know in Virginia it probably hasn't cooled off. We're just starting to get fall weather this weekend. We're going apple picking with the family on Saturday, a little respite. I'm going to be wearing my Legends hoodie, looking fly, looking nice. My kids are going to be like, damn, Dad, even you, Legends makes you look cool. I mean, I look, they ain't wrong, Nick. They're, they're not wrong. <laughs> Stuff's good. I really like the hoodie, the, the workout shirt, the shorts. Uh, I love working out in those. 
They're great. It's streetwear inspired design for style and comfort you want to wear all day. Go to legends.com, use our code PATS20, legends.com, promo code PATS20, offer ends October 10th. Yeah, great stuff. You got a week and a half. Take advantage of that offer. All right, let's get to the uh, bet US line, Greg. Bucks favored by seven and a half. How do you feel? Uh, I think I like the I like the the Patriots being a little bit focused and keeping this close for a while. But I think what nobody's really talking about we and one thing we always talked about with the Patriots and it, it, when they were in one of these tough matchups, you were like, well. Tom Brady's the ultimate competitor. Tom Brady, you just cannot count Tom Brady out. I just think, I think Tom Brady is super motivated. I yep. think his teammates who have been unfocused to this point in the season, which is normal for a repeat or defending Super Bowl champion, I think they are going to be dialed in because they know what this week means to Tom. They know what it means to Gronk. AB probably wants a little bit of revenge too for how oh, whatever with that ended. guy. <laughs> AB revenge. He could shove it up his ass. AB revenge. <laughs> the, the the one game Patriot. Uh, uh, the one hit wonder. I I I I just think at some point the the Bucks are just going to be too good and they're going to win. And I think I think they're going to win by about uh, two to three scores. I just think I just think Brady Brady's going to Brady's going to be out for blood. And we all knew when he was here and Tom had the eye of the tiger, you were like, oh, crap. Well, the Patriots are the oh, crap team on Sunday. So <laughs> I, I like I like the I like uh, the Bucks taking the points. Yeah, lay the points. Let's jump to the uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. $39.99 on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, which you are, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Greg, did you find a question for us today? I did. Uh, Jay Tull 36 said, uh, we initially estimated the Patriots could reach 10-11 wins. After three games in which there was little to no progress or improvement, would you say that their win total might be seven to eight? Um, I, I'm not ready to go there. Um, I, I I do think I do think that the door is now opened a little bit more for them to possibly end the season with a look, losing record. I did not think that was possible. I picked eleven and six. I'm not really ready to come off that. Yet, I never am. I, I let the season play out. It's very early. We knew, we, Nick, we talked about it. And and I tried to tell people, look, it takes time for these things to come together when you make right. a bunch of changes in the offseason. It takes time for the players to learn each other, for the coaches to learn the players, the players to learn the coaches, you know, let alone the new quarterback. It's going to take time. They were going to be better in the second and a half of the season. Uh I am not ready to come off my prediction of 11 and six. It's going to be hard. It's probably going to be 10 and three the rest of the way to be that. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I still think th this team is really good. I don't think they've come close to their ceiling, not even hell, not even close. And so, you know, do I think they're more in the 10, nine win range now? Probably. I would say that's the higher percentage, but I I'm, I'm not ready to back down yet. Yeah, you and I have a, a very similar approach to these kinds of things, you know, um, and that's why we do this podcast together. We don't go from one extreme to another extreme. We, we try to, you know, stay the course and understand the big picture 
And I'm, I'm pretty much with you on everything you said. I, I think it's too early to sit there and say, oh, this team's going to be a six or seven win team. Or it, It's just too early. I know it's been a bad start. Nobody can, nobody can debate that. Last weekend's game was awful. I thought they were okay against the Jets. And I still think that Miami game in week one was just weird. So I think they've played, you know, a couple of bad games here. And I think Sunday night's going to be tough. There's no doubt about that. Lay the points. I'm with you on that as well. But I, I do think that this team has a lot of room to grow. And I think you're dealing with a rookie quarterback. You're dealing with a lot of new pieces. They will get sorted out. The question is, how long will it take for them to get sorted out? Their offensive line, I have to believe, will eventually play better because they're too talented up front. Their run game, I think, will follow that as the O-line gets better. And let's not forget, you know, if, and, and I think he will soon, you know, when, when he's able to, but if Gilmore gets out there, that makes this defense much better. So I, I think we've got some time. I wouldn't be surprised now at nine or 10 wins versus 11 like you, Greg, but I think it's too early to say, you know, oh, this is, this is gunning for a seven and 10 season. I'm just not there yet. Uh, the Greg Bedard podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by BetUS.com and, of course, Legends. Check them out at Legends.com. Sunday night, Brady versus Belichick. Everybody's had this one circled since the schedule came out. We'll have our reaction to it early next week. Everybody have a good weekend. Be safe. Be good. We'll talk to you then.